life has meaning and everything in life is meant to also help us access... Thanks, I'm going to put this here because it's blocking. Helps, helps us access an inner part of ourselves. Does this make sense? Everything in life that is created in your personal lives, in your personal situations, as well as the global macro, even on the news, things we see on the news, things that are happening around, tragedies in our own personal life, there have been a lot of tragedies recently in the Jewish world also. They're meant to shape us up, to help us access different levels of ourselves, of ourselves, and to grow from that, and to build ourselves, and to become better people, the more refined, and more in tune, and more sensitive. I'm not going into why bad things happen to good people, and why things like that happen. Sometimes we know, sometimes we don't know. Even when we don't know, I was just speaking to someone about this, when we don't know, that also is a gift. There's a gift in not knowing and to be able to accept that in ourselves, that I just don't know something. There's a humility that comes with that. Thank you so much. You're so sweet. There's a humility that we get when we don't know. So even just saying, I don't know. I know there's a reason, but I don't know what it is. Is, is humbling and refines us and develops us. And why am I bringing all this up? And it's got nothing to do with the topic that I so proudly advertised on my Facebook, which was sneercine, which is a play on words for those of you that don't realise. Self-esteem and sneers. Sneers is the word for modesty, which conjures up all sorts of reactions in many people, the word modesty and what that means, and skirts and elbows and collarbones and all the rules you've heard and laws. And, and I want to step away from all of that and go into... Um, the character trait, the core, the root, the soul of Zeus. And really what I think is often missing is that people jump to the rules, the structure, the laws. Um, it's not a bad thing to do that, but it, if, you're not missing, if, you're, if you're not tapping into the internal place that it's meant to conjure up in you, which is what everything in life is meant to do, whether it be a thunderstorm, a snowstorm, or halakha, it's meant to help you access a part of yourself inside. Yes? Everything that we're given is, is a guide to help us access deeper parts of us because we are very deep, spiritual, holy, potential beings. Yeah? And we can't do it on our own, right? If we're just walking around life on our own. You know, I was just sharing with someone how when I look back, you know, over intense things that happened in my life, no amount of me wanting to grow, opening a book to learn about it intellectually would have helped me internalize certain lessons. Sometimes nothing, no amount of learning intellectually helps you get something except the experience of something, whether it be even, God forbid, something negative like loss or, right? You're hearing me? Whether it's something painful, whatever. You don't wish it upon anyone and you would never want it to happen again, but that's the thing that helped you internalize something. So too... All the halacha, the Jewish law, as we look into each thing, you could see what character trait is it coming to refine? What part of me is it helping me to access if I was to do it? Doesn't mean you all have to do everything all at once because no one can do it all at once. But the guide book of Torah and halacha, halacha really means the pathway, that's all that means in Hebrew. It doesn't mean rules, it doesn't mean law, it doesn't mean suffocation, it doesn't mean rigid, it doesn't mean don't be you, it doesn't mean, right? That's how we sometimes interpret it. It means just pathway. The pathway to where? It's a pathway to your deepest self, the pathway to your holiest self, the pathway to your most refined self, a pathway which is becoming more God-like. Right? I think it's Selim Elohim is the term in the image of God, that we are made in potential godly. 
holy, righteous. We could, that's what we look like when we really actualize our potential. So with that as an introduction, I don't know where that came from, um, that's really the frame around what SNEAS is, as, my, as I understand it. I am not an expert in this whatsoever. I have my own struggles with it too. I've gone through my own process with it from being completely secular, not knowing anything. You know, my favorite things in my whole wardrobe was my hipster jeans that took a long time to give up, right? Many, many years. Um, and I didn't own a skirt, to be honest, when I went to Israel. I just bought a few because apparently you meant to wear them on Shabbat when you go. Like, I, I, yeah, right? Like, I, I didn't own a skirt. Like, I, I, that's where I'm coming from, just to let you know. I've gone through my own journey around it. And it's a very personal journey for women because it's about your, how you feel and, and what, how you project who you are and, and your image and then how you feel good in what you're wearing and all sorts of things. It's very personal. So there's no formula. But I don't believe you can start the journey of understanding this very important quality, especially for women, without going to the root of what it's really about. And it ain't about two centimeters below your knee. That's not what it's about. It's not about your elbow. It's not about... That's the outer, 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 outer expression of a concept. And you may or may not get there, but like, let's go to the concepts and discuss it, and then you'll work out in your own way and unfold it from that place. So that's why I called it Sneer Steam, because I really feel that it's linked to this concept of your self-worth, of our self-worth and our self-esteem. And then the question is, well, what is self-esteem really linked to? What is self-esteem really connected to? You know, if you look around in society, you know, people like Oprah. Thanks, Oprah. You know, say things like, you know, everyone's worthy. You are all worthy. And everyone's like, yeah, we're all worthy, right? There's a belief, there's, a, there's an inherent understanding in the world that every person is worthy. Now, does society act that way? Not at all. What's your worth based on in society? If you looked around in the society, societal level. Money. Money, what else? Yeah. What gives you worth? Huh? How beauty. Oh, beauty, big one. For women, your, your worth is nearly equivalent to beauty okay. as a first impression, no question. Beauty, money. Profession. Profession, so accomplishment, achievement, profession. Where you came from, your family. Right, so like a lineage, right. like how well, you know, yeah. social status, social standing, yeah. Power, fame, intelligence, right? All of these things are external things, pretty much. I mean, you, and you definitely don't have control over much of it, right? So generally, if you don't have the higher levels of these things you have, the more worthy you are deemed by society. You know, they've done lots of experiments. You get jobs more easily, people help you more easily. Like, society responds to you and you become more successful if you're at the higher the levels of these things you have. And the lower levels, so the, the harder it is for you. So it doesn't really make sense that everyone's worthy. It's not, and it's not the reality we tend to live in if it were left just to kind of mankind, humankind. It's not really the reality. So the question is, where does that come from? That sense that that is true, that everyone is worthy. Even someone who's in a coma is worthy, right? Yeah, Salam Alakim. What does that mean? Well, like, you, like your soul is a piece of God. Your soul is, is, a, is either a piece of God, although we don't sometimes understand what that means, but it's a, you're, you're made in the image of God as well, right? Like that you have that potential to be godly. And every soul has a potential to, is a part piece of God, so to speak, um, but is godly connected to God, let's say. That's an, I'm more comfortable with that. It's connected to God, right? 
Okay. We really, I think the biggest issue, the biggest struggle that we have is that, is understanding this piece. Meaning understanding our value, understanding our worth, that we really are worthy. And what that really means, like right now it's a nice intellectual concept. Oh, we're made with Salamalakim. Okay, that's nice. Right, what does, that, what does that really mean? So in order to understand at least the fact that, that it's really sourced in the Torah, it's not just like some nice person making up stuff. Um, I, didn't, I didn't even make enough handouts actually. But here's some source sources. Just so you have them, just so you can gl glance over them. Um, I want to go to the source source two here on Prefe Avos, the ethics of our fathers. There's a whole lot of different sources here together, from Genesis to Deuteronomy to Proverbs. And they're all the second one here, Prefe Avos three fourteen. Can you share a couple people? You're sharing. Thank you. Oh, there's enough. Perfect. Um, I'm just going to read it in English. I don't want to spend a lot of time. I just want to show you where, where it is, where it's mentioned in the Torah many times. How it was a, a kindness of God to tell us that we're beloved, that we're loved, that we're special, that we're worthy, right? So it says here in, in Perfect Avos, he would say, beloved is humankind since, since it's created in the image of God. A deeper love, it's that it's revealed to us that, it's, that we're created in the image. Meaning God could have just created me or you or the whole of humankind and said, okay, there you go, you're created. Instead, it did, we weren't just created, we were told you're made in my image, right? God didn't need to tell us that we're made in his image. So we were revealed that piece of information so that we would feel spe special, yeah? That humankind, we would feel special, that we would feel a potential like, whoa, well, this is really something. This is not just like, oh, I was just made and off you go. This is, we were told that I'm made, I'm made in your image. So it's a chak to understand that we were, it was revealed to us that we're made in his image. How would we know otherwise? God, doesn't, God isn't obvious. There's no image that we can tangibly sense of God. So anything we know about God is because God reveals it through his instructions, called the Torah. And he tells us that we're made in his image. And then it keeps going, beloved are Israel, since they are called children of God, a deeper love. It's revealed to them that they're called the children. He repeats this, that it's a deeper love that it was revealed to us that we're called children of God. That was Deuteronomy. Your children of the Lord your God, beloved are Israel, since a precious instrument, which is the Torah, has been given to them. A deeper love, it is revealed to them that the precious instrument of the world's creation has been given to them. Right? Okay. So part of the building of ourselves is to understand that we are made in the image of God and what that really means. It's not a quick answer. It's something that has to be studied and appreciated and thought about and reflected upon. And now we come to the problem, especially in our generation. I mean, there was always a problem of being externally focused with the beauty and the societal values put on external things like beauty, fame, power, jobs, accomplishment, intelligence. But now with social media, I don't know if you felt it in the last five years, I have for sure felt it in myself. The pull to the external, because my whole world around me day to day is externally focused, right? I'm pulled out of myself all the time. Even if you start healthy, right? Your, your focus is always pulled out to not only putting out information about yourself, but then needing something back. Like, how many likes did I get? How many, right? And then how excited do you feel when you get a lot of likes? You know, I just posted one of the, some guy helped me out of the snow in the car. I don't know if you saw. I, um, 
whatever, long story, but I got out of the car and I was thinking, how am I going to get my car out of the snow? And then this guy literally drove up, a guy, I don't know, like some guy, not even in the neighborhood, said, can I help you get your car out? The second I got it, I was like, yes. And like, he just jumped out with the shovel and started shoveling. I was just like, are you joking? I gave him 20 bucks, you know, like, um, but he was so nice. And I was, I posted that on Facebook and I was like, I've got 125 likes on this photo. And it like made me feel so good. And it just got me thinking that, that we're in a culture now where we're losing touch with our inner, that inner deeper being that we just spoke about before. The, the whole of the fact that the Torah and life is meant to help us access our inner self and to grow from that place and that we have our whole inner being that's going on and that we are slowly and slowly more and more becoming disconnected from that. And there's all sorts of um, destruction, damage, uh, problematic kind of living that comes out of when that happens. I mean, this is a, this is a real problem. If you understand the psychology of children, um, you see that, you know, when a child does something, before they do anything, they look back at the mom mm -hmm. to check, right? And I, have you seen this before? And then, or like a, a baby, even a kid, like one, two, three, falls, and before crying, checks with the mom, is it was a bad? Mm -hmm. Like, um, if mom goes, <gasps> then she, they go, <gasps> right? And if the mom goes, it's okay, oopsie, right? The little kid goes, oh. And like, it's not even really based on their own reality, but it's based on the mirroring back of the mother. Yes? So I couldn't help but think about the fact that a lot of people feel like they don't exist really unless they get the validation back on social media. Right? Like when something happens, my first inclination, me too, I'm talking to myself, right? The first inclination is I want to capture a picture so I can post it, so I can share it. Now, it feels like there's nothing wrong with that on some level, because it's not, this is not like putting that down, that you don't want to share it with friends. I bet you want to share it with friends. But the fact that I can't stop and have the experience for myself, let it come into me and penetrate me at a deeper level and my own inner being, let me actually experience life and let it make contact with the deeper self in myself. I have to bounce it out of me you hear? I'm talking figuratively, but this is actually what happens if we slowed it down. You have an experience. Imagine seeing a sunset. And then all of a sudden you feel like, I've got to, I've got to capture this moment and share it with the world. It literally skims you. Do you see that? There's no time for it to, 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 to penetrate who you are and affect you. There's no, there's no opportunity for it to, in, to internalize in any way. So you, you, you see it, oh, it's amazing, let me share it with my thousand friends, right? And by, bless you, and by doing that, I have cheapened the experience and I have cheapened myself and I have degraded myself in that way, in some minor way, you may or may not be aware of it. There's a, a minor degra degradation, right, in, in doing that, that I don't allow myself to have the experience of my own life for myself. It's nearly like an er erosion of my sense of self. I'm not even home, right? So if you describe ourselves, if we, if we think of ourselves like a vessel or a well, we're a deep well. And to the degree that I'm internal is to the degree that I'm in, sort of sitting in my well, so to speak. To the degree that I put myself out there, there's not, not a lot left in the well. You can't be out and in at the same time, at the same, same degree, right? So 
if everything is out there, there's nothing left in here. That's the most, that's the most important thing. Another, another muscle I heard about this, a metaphor, is a thermos. If you imagine a thermos, a thermos is piping hot, right, to keep things piping hot on the inside. How does it feel on the outside? Cool. Yeah, or, or at least neutral. So if a thermos is working properly, it's neutral. It's like not hot at all on the outside. It's cool. And that means that everything inside is piping hot. If a thermos breaks, so the heat will leak out to the outside, and what's inside is starts to cool. It doesn't, it's not able to be insulated. So, so too with us. If I put myself out there, then it cheapens and it lessens what's inside. If I really put myself out there. And the most degrading part of this, I feel, is that we start to relate to ourselves as superficial. So if I put out an image of myself to the world, whatever that is, and then other people start to relate to me like that, I start to relate to myself. When I look in the mirror, when I look about myself, when I think about myself, I'll start to relate to myself in the same superficial way, which means you, you, you degrade yourself. And deep down, it happens at a subconscious level, there becomes a, um, I don't know if you want to call it despair, a, like, your life starts to lack the meaning it should have. You start to feel less fulfilled because the superficial external things just don't fulfill you to the same degree. It just doesn't. Right? Is this making sense? That if you don't guard your inner being, if you don't protect it, if you're not aware of it, if you don't let yourself connect with it, if you don't then guard it sometimes so that you have the time to go back and refuel and connect, it's not one or the other. Right? But right now, our whole world's out there. Everyone defines themselves externally, very much by externals, very much. Right? And then the social media has just exacerbated that, a whole way of relating. Um, and now you edit. Everything you put out is edited, so it's the perfect shot. It's the per so like, there's hardly any real inner-to-inner -inner connection happening, really, unless you really make time for it, unless you really nurture that part of yourself. Pleasure. I feel bad. Um, that's the goal, by the way, of Shabbat. The whole goal of Shabbat is to step away from the world and to nurture that inner place. That's why it's hard for people to keep Shabbat as well. What? Turn off my phone for 25 hours? Are you kidding? Go off Facebook for 25 hours? What? And there is a little bit of anxiety. Like, ugh, there's like that separation to like, but when you do it, it's oh, liberated. It's liberation. When you start to let yourself connect to that inner place, and then you start to realize that's the place you can naturally just drop into in Shabbat. Why? Only because that external stuff has moved away. And you, wherever you are for Shabbat, that's where you are. There's no big traveling. Okay, you go to a couple of people's houses, have lunch. But it's much more focused in, inward, right? Much more focused. The sleep you have is more restful. The dreams I have, I always have freaky dreams on Shabbat. Why? Because I'm in touch with a deeper part of myself. I have time to think. I have the best idea Shabbat morning. Even for like ideas on classes, ideas on programs, presents for people that I want to buy, like great ideas for presents, like crazy stuff. Stuff comes, why? Because I have time to think and be with my inner being, right? It's about nurturing your inner being, about being in touch with yourself, with your sense of self, with developing that, and then from that place choosing to share it and how I want to share it and who do I want to share it with and how much of myself do I want to share it rather than, oh, I'm just going to post one post of myself, I'm saying, you know, and that goes to a thousand people equally, 
Right? You don't even think through. Imagine if you post something, you think now you go through all your friends. Would I send my friend that picture? Would I send my friend that picture? Would I... Imagine if you go through every single friend on your friend's Facebook list and say, would I send every friend this picture? The answer is often no, but that's gone on social media. You don't get to discern that. There's no sensitivity. It's just like one post, right? And then hoping that you get the feedback back. And if you don't, how do you feel? You feel bad. No one cares what was wrong with my post. Like, no one likes me, right? And it's, firstly, that's such a superficial, obviously, relationship. It's not really a relationship, right? But we've now internalized it as nearly a relationship and for sure a definition of self. I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, look how many followers they have. That's become a thing. I mean, this is to a whole different level. Okay. What's this got to do with sneers? I think you get, you get the picture, right? You get this issue. And, and the fact that it's very childlike to need the external validation of your sense of self. It's a very childlike experience. That's what children do. So at some point, the mother should mirror back to the child that they're worthy and that they're wonderful. And at some point, the child internalizes that sense that I am worthy and wonderful, and they internalize it. It becomes internalized. They no longer walk through the world needing everyone to validate them. But if you keep getting yanked out of your inner self, and then you keep focusing on everyone else to give you that feedback, you can easily... Just go back, revert back to that childlike place if that's what you're going to invest your time and energy into more than anything else, right? So we don't realize, you hear all these stories, there's major TED Talks, there's fantastic TED Talks about how technology is undoing us. Have you seen them? They're great. About what it's doing to our brain, about what it's doing to our life and our relationships. But we've never connected to SNES. Like, what has this got to do with SNES, right? So SNES, was there a question? I thought someone was going to okay. Um, sneers in a simple statement is the commitment to not be moved to a super, superficial definition of self. Again, sneers is a commitment, a practical commitment even, if you want to take it out to the locker, right? A practical commitment to not be moved to a superficial sense of myself. I'm committed not to be defined and outlined by a superficial sense of myself. That's what sneers is. I'm going to make a commitment to preserve and stay connected to and maintain the fact that I'm an inner being and I have a whole inner world. And I don't want to cheapen that. That's, that's essentially what the character trait of sneers is, whether it's men or women. Right? So it's, not, it's not a women's thing or a men's thing. I, I, want to, I understand that I'm a whole being, including a soul, including a body, including emotions, mind, an internal world, as well as an external world, how I, how I socialize. And I'm going to be committed to keeping that whole picture of myself intact as I move through my world. That's the commitment of sense. You see how different we slide when we start talking about modesty as far as clothes? The, that's part of the external practical commitment, but that's not instead of this. This is, this is really the core of what, what it is. Okay. It becomes a choice that you value. It becomes a choice that you choose to engage upon because you value yourself, because you honor yourself, because you want to keep what's inside inside and keep a fence around it to protect it like the thermos. You want to insulate, you want to keep what's within, within and yours in private. 
a lot of people interpret modesty and the laws of modesty as being suffocating, oppressive, rigid, um, I can't be myself, right? So rather than it be about covering up, it's about selective revealing. That I can choose who I want to show what to, which part of myself to. And I might choose to share a part of myself with you, but in this moment, but you know, next week I might not. Like, it's up to me. I'm in control of my being and who I am and what I want to share. So it's really more empowering that I'm not just out there for the world to see. Because once you're out there, it's hard to get it back. Yeah, and, and it means that no one's here if I'm out there. Does that make sense? A lot of people who talk very sexually and intimately to everyone are very unlikely to have successful long-term intimate relationships. Where do we see this the most? Who would the, who, which demographic is the most out there sexually? Possibly, <laughs> but they're still growing up. Let's say adults, like prop, you know. Prostitutes. Yo, that's yeah. That would be the extreme. Yes, yeah, that would be the extreme example of it. An extreme example. It's not the majority of the population. Certainly not. It's certainly not a demographic that we would aspire to be like, right? But it is. It is an example. The other one I would suggest would be celebrities. Right. Celeb? Huh? Yeah. Or, or that's the next level down. They want to be celebrities. They're worse. They're worse. Right, so, so reality TV show people, celebrities particularly, define their whole image, their whole look, their whole vibe, everything on being sexual and having the sexuality out there. And they are the least likely to have long-term successful marriages. You see, you hear about all the... It's so publicised. We hear all the breakups. So it goes hand in hand. You can't be out there for everyone. I even, I even heard it once by a celebrity. I won't say who who said that they feel they can be intimate with an audience but not with one person. Yeah, they, they even felt that in themselves, not knowing these concepts, right? It's just not possible because it's not how the equipment works, so to speak, as, as a human being. Um, I was once at a uh, hip-hop class. I danced for many years. And um, I went with another Robertson. She took me to her hip-hop class in a gym. It was all women. And there was this black mama named Angel who was teaching the class. She was an R&B singer. And she had all these women in the class who were like her backup dancers at her show, which I didn't know. I was just going to do a class at the gym. But they all knew this whole routine. And it was a really hard routine. But because myself and the other Robertson had had like 20 years training in dance, we could kind of just keep up, right? And it was really fun. We, was like, we were hot and sweaty. And I was wearing my, my sneakers, like leggings, a little stretchy dance skirt. Um, and a cotton t-shirt to my elbows. Like, I was dressed up modestly. And um, anyway, it was hard, and I was sweating, partly due to the, the difficulty of the class and partly due to the fact I was dressed, like, clothed from head to toe. And after the class, firstly, I looked around, I was like, oh, my gosh, everyone's Jewish in this class. Like, a lot of the women were Jewish, which I wasn't used to coming from Australia because there's just kangaroos. So that's all there is there. And, no, there's really very, very small Jewish community. Anyway, so... After the class, a woman walked up to me, obviously knew how I was dressed was reflective of, of observant Judaism, and it bothered her enormously. I don't know why, I don't know her background, I don't know, but it really ticked her off that I was in this class and was like keeping up with hip-hop, and I was danced like this, and I was dressed like this, and she walks up to me with a seething look on her face. I was very caught off guard <coughs> by this, and she points to her tank top, and she says, this is why reform's more popular. Hey, that's why what? Reform. This is why reform is more, more popular. 
And I was like so shocked because it was a real attack against me. It wasn't, you know, like you, you idiots. I mean, really, essentially, what she was saying was, "You idiot, why do you dress like this?" That's really what. That's really what she was saying. And why, why are you doing this? Why are you dressed like this? You look stupid. Like you're dripping with sweat. Like you know. And I was, you know, I was like, you know, after this hip hop class, you know, and nearly exhausted, nearly like on the floor. And and she came up, and I was just. I remember just saying to God, like please give me something intelligent to say. You know, like, uh, what do you say to that? And I just said to her, you're right. And she's like, what? I said, either we're crazy, which is a legitimate claim, or there's something else that we believe in that's higher, that we're committed to, that we believe is true, which was modesty. Like, I, like I'm, I am hot. I'm not going to pretend I'm not hot, right? But there's something else that's, that I'm choosing to value, that I'm committed to. So either I'm nuts or there's something else that, that I value, that's all. And it's not about popular. Again, her definition of what success was, was being popular, which is an external-based thing, right? That, for her, was her definition of what's, what, you should, what you should choose and why. The more successful you are, the more popular what you are, right? The best thing to choose are the most popular things. I understand why she said that. And I said, you know, when I said you're right, and then I said either we're nuts or we believe in something more uh, of a higher value that we choose to commit to, she got it. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not attacking her. And she laughed nervously, like, <gasps> like that. And I said, you want to come for Shabbos? And we swapped numbers, we had a long chat, and she understood the point, yeah? The point is that I'm choosing to do something for a higher reason. The point is that I'm choosing to do something for a higher reason because I value myself. It's not like I don't want to get on Facebook. It's not like I want to, you know, that I, I'm choosing to preserve something else that's deeper, that I believe in. That's, that's it. That's it. And I know that if I dress only as a superficial person, as a superficial being, whatever that means for you, right? I don't want to get into all the details. If I choose to put my body, my physical body out there, that means by definition... People might not see the deeper part of me or I might not keep that whole picture intact of who I am. That I'm more than my body. There's nothing wrong with your body. Your body's beautiful. It's amazing. You're meant to be proud of it. You're meant to look beautiful. Right? But it's not all of who I am. It's a part of who I am. And so if I put it in such a way that that's really the only thing people look at and relate to me through, then I've cheapened myself. And there is nothing worse. There is nothing worse than feeling cheap. You know this feeling when you walk past a work site and guys whistle at you if they're ugly. <laughs> if they're cute, you might think, okay, right? But I'm saying, if, a guy, if you walk past and a guy you're not interested in, even I would question why you'd be interested in a guy that whistles at you like a dog, but you know, if, you walk past the, if you walk past a site and a guy whistles at you, it's like, yuck, get off. Like, it, ugh, ugh. like why? Because they related to you only as a piece of meat. Yeah, well, you, you could translate this to a nightclub. You could translate this to anywhere, right? You know that you remember the days, right, if you're not doing them now. It feels gross. And you hope to meet someone nice. You hope to meet someone nice that you can get to know, but then often in those environments, you don't. And the environment's not conducive for that, usually. You meet nice guys elsewhere, usually. But, but that's the feeling. And then we do it to ourselves all the time. Right, we do it to ourselves. Okay, 
So modesty is not about covering up, it's about selective revealing. And um, this first prepayavos on the sheet is also beautiful. Rabbi Akiva says the safeguarding fence around wisdom is silence. So when the question comes up, how do we cultivate this inner being? That's the biggest question. So, okay, I believe in all of this. I believe in the concept. I'm an inner being. I believe in the fact that if I put myself out there physically, I'm going to lose something that I should be in touch with internally. I'm like a well. I know that I should be connected deep with inside myself. And every time I look for our validation out there, every time I look for social media or other people to validate me, I'm by definition externally defining myself rather than internal definition. Rather than me get clear, by the way, one of the other destructive um, consequences of being so externally defined is that you lose touch with your inner voice, your inner clarity, your intuition, your gut feeling, all these things that women have strengths in. Women have many, more, more of a strength in this than men. They just do, right? There are individual exceptions always, but men are from Mars, women are from Venus, sold out and went viral because everyone resonated with the fact that we are different, right? Mm -hmm. We are different. We have different strengths. Thank God, we have different strengths. Women's strength is this intuition, this bina in Hebrew it's called, right? A bina is this, I don't know why, I just don't trust him, right? I'm not sure why. And then you find out later his soul and it is, right? Yeah, like there's an intuitive sense what women have. There's a clarity. There's an inner voice. There's how you feel about something even. Even just how you feel about something. You lose touch with that if you start defining yourself externally all the time. Right? You lose touch to all these, all these deeper parts of yourself. Proverbs, Mishle, says a fool hath no delight in understanding. So someone who's foolish doesn't really want to understand anything. Only that his heart may lay itself bare, meaning he just wants to talk to hear himself talk. You know these people. You're talking to them and they're not even listening to what you're saying. They're just waiting for you to take a breath big enough so they can jump in and tell you everything they think. Right? They're not really, they don't want to listen. So it says that, you know, even a bigger fool is someone who does that with their teacher because they're not even trying to listen to the teacher, right? They just want to... So they call, it's called a fool. A fool doesn't want to understand anything but just, just keeps talking, empties himself out, so to speak. Um, so the, big, the, the, the biggest question is how to cultivate it. How do I cultivate this sense of my inner being? Many, many places in the Torah does it suggest that the way to do this is silence. Here he calls it wisdom around wisdom. Rabbi Kiva says the safeguarding fence around wisdom is silence. But the only way to develop your true depth is by learning how to be silent. Of finding a quiet place within our own mind. To get in touch with who we really are. I got this from Rabbi Tax. Only in real silence can you really understand and only one who is silent can really listen. So he goes on to describe a very deep idea that words are limited and even words are fragments of meaning. Meaning, we describe things in words so that we understand what we're talking about, but they're very superficial, even words are external, right? So sometimes the deepest experiences you've had often can't be put into words. You come back from an awesome experience. If I asked Eliza, she got married last week. Describe to someone who wasn't there what it was like. I mean, where would you start, right? Where? I mean, I was with you for that night. So I saw like some of the experience and I was with you for some of that experience. 
So I can look at you and go, whoa, what a wedding. Oh my gosh. And we can talk about, what about when Noah sang you the song? And what about when he came down and you both were bawling at the bedecking? And right, who was there? Anyone was there? I've got photos. I've got the best photos. I happen to be standing right next to her. I've got the most amazing photographs, right? And, and we can highlight moments through words of the highlights of those moments. And we both get it because we were both there and we both felt it in the experience. And go, oh my God. Oh. Like, I can go oh, to you and you know exactly what I mean. Right? Although you were probably feeling it 50 million times more. But someone who wasn't there would go, what? What? What, what happened? What happened when he sang the song? I, I don't know. Like, you just sang this song, but like, you can't put it into words. Right? The deepest experiences you can't put into words. I remember I walked in once to a friend who had a baby. And she was with another friend who had a baby. And I haven't had a baby. I was like, how was the birth? And she looked at the friend who had a baby and they went, she went, oh. And the other friend went, oh. I was like, what? <laughs> Right? They both knew a language and an understanding of something. You, you just can't put it into words. Words are fragments of meaning. Words are the way we relate to people. But it's not the essence of the thing itself. Right? So Moses said had it had a speech impediment. Do you know this? Moses said he had, had a speech. In fact, he argued with Hashem. Like, why are you giving me this leadership role? Like, you know, I'm not such an orator. Like, Aaron's better. My brother. Right? Why? Because Moses was connected directly to reality. He was so in touch with the essence of what was that the, when it came to speech, it didn't come out right. Like he was so there with the reality of the essence of everything. That speech was, the impediment was because he, he couldn't interpret in the words what he experienced. He experienced the depth of reality at its essence and at his own essence. And he was a prophet and he was close to God, the closest to God. Right? So the words were so superficial. For us, words are sometimes what connects us to the depth. Because we're already superficial. Right? We, don't, we can't compare ourselves to Moses. But you can only really relate to someone with words when, when someone else has their own inner knowledge of that which you experience. So the idea is this. You don't grasp things in words and you do not need words, the words to grasp what you know. In our mind, we know things as they are, not as words express them. And words can describe a thing, but they are not the thing itself. We just said all this, but this is important. Just as you grasp yourself without the need for your name, right? Ali doesn't walk around going, I'm Ali, I'm Ali, I'm Ali, I'm Ali, right? Inside you, you're just Aliness. You're just Ali. And I call you Ali so that I know that, that this person with this face is called Ali. Right? And when we all, everyone, this is Ali. Everyone say, hi, Ali. Right? That's Ali. So that's a label we just put on. But you don't need it for your own internal grasp of who you are. You just are you. Does it make sense? It's giving you a sense of this connection to essence. Yeah, if you were on a desert island, you wouldn't need to walk around having a name. So it's, it's essential to get in touch with the part of your mind that just knows these things not the part that just talks about these things. And, and Rabbi Tax even suggests that we've lost the ability to think, to think beyond words. We've lost touch with the ability even sometimes to think beyond words. And most people actually think by talking to themselves. Do you know this thing? You know this? You walk around. Now, what do I have to do today? Um, da, 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 like you talk aloud to give you the connection rather than actually it should be happening inside of you and you should be connected inside. We're losing touch with this. 
If you notice you're doing some of these things, it's because this is what's happening. He says, I mean, he's very, he's very straight, Rabbi Taz. He says that people think by saying something to themselves, listening to the words they've said, and replying in words, and all of their thought is nothing more than an inner conversation. That's a desperately low level of thinking and understanding to yourself. You have a tool that is able to handle essence. We are essence detectors. That's what we are as people in potential, not just descriptions of essence. We are able to perceive experiences and reality directly. You are a telemelochim, he says. You have a tool that can handle reality, not just pictures of reality. So what we've done is take ourselves out of handling reality. Oh, let me take a picture. Right? I'm going to keep putting myself into pictures and snapshots and ripping myself away from the actual experience. So by doing that, I've deprived myself of the experience. And I've superficial, made myself superficial. It's not that I have the experience and then I want to take a photo to preserve it. That's a different thing. We've gone so far the other way that we've flipped. He says, do not allow your inner, it's my favorite quote, do not allow your inner world to become a cheap and superficial talk show. Don't allow our inner world to become a cheap and superficial talk show where we just like, la, 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 la. But you're not connected to anything deeper. Making sense? So in order to realize our worth and greatness, we have to be willing to go deeper and connect with it. When one grasps something deep, the first thing to do is savor its meaning inwardly. Rather than, let me think of a quote to post on Facebook, right? Before, let, me, let me let it make contact. It's a, he even suggests you may lose it if you speak it out immediately. You will lose it because you're not letting it make contact. It's, if it's still fresh in you, it's not yet made total contact with your inner being. And you're in danger of losing that debt. Okay. It goes into more, it's a real Kabbalah. It's, it's, if all has been revealed, where is the connection to the source, to the deep well of spirituality? That we have a connection to source inside of us. And if everything's revealed, there's nothing left in here to connect me to the source. Does that make sense? If you empty yourself out completely, you retain no connection. If you express yourself entirely, you are entirely within the world out there. And you've lost your connection to that which is endless. This is starting to get real deep, right? This is a very, it gives us a tiny little glimmer into the potential of who we are. Yeah? Does this relate to teaching? With which? So let's say you're connected to something and you want to share it. Does that mean that if you share like a part of yourself, will you lose? It's a great question. There's a lot of different discussions about this. Some rabbis wouldn't share any ideas that they'd learnt for years for fear of losing it for themselves. So the answer is yes and no, meaning to the degree that you've internalized it for yourself and allowed it to make that deeper contact with your being, so then it's safer, it's safer, it's safer then to share it. If you just learnt it and you never really sat with it, and then you share it, so then it might not, it might not internalize as well. So I once asked one of my rabbis in Israel, so I, do I teach what, like I know or only what I know? He says, only what you know in your heart. Because you can know something intellectually and then you can know it by just knowing it. Having internalized it. He said, only share what you know because it's in you. Uh, number one, that's going to make the most impact. But number two, it's already yours. 
Okay. Um, so this makes sense then why if people do not have a strong sense of the internal world of themselves, why sneers, which is coming to protect, guard, preserve, nurture, sustain the internal world, they're not home in their own internal world, of course it's going to feel restrictive and suffocating. You hear? If my identity lies out there and I need lots of validation and lots of things superficially to feel like I'm something or somebody, then of course if I'm going to put any kind of ideas of restriction around what I'm wearing, which is superficial, I'm going to feel suffocated because I haven't identified myself here yet. Right? If you have identified yourself here, people naturally gravitate towards a natural sense of sneers, is what I've seen. I've seen it, even if they're not at all religious. Right? I had friends growing up, non-Jewish friends even, who had a natural sense of modesty, and they just wouldn't be the types to go out wearing midriffs and short shorts and low cleavage. And they, just, they weren't those types. Right? They just had a natural sense about it. They didn't want to be identified like that. Right? But other friends who were more gorgeous and physical and whatever, they got a lot of validation for that. So that's how they dressed, because that's how they got the validation. They wanted to dress in a way that made them feel good. Um, okay. You suggest that about silence, even when you are surrounded by noise, you should be able to hold a deep silence in your inner world to still the inner noise. Obviously, this is all referring a lot to kind of a meditation. The inner sounds and voices of meaningless chatter, the constant flood of bits and pieces of superficial static, which threatens to drown your sensitive ability to hear and to know. Before you can speak wisdom, you must be able to hear, and before you hear, you must be silent, able to be silent. And in that absolute quiet place in your innermost depth, you will find wisdom. This is about that inner voice we're talking about. And you will find yourself made in the image of God, huge in potential and worth. And there you will come to know that in one moment of that silence is contained more than all the words in the world. And actually being in touch with yourself in a real way. So Rabbi Gershenfeld, some of you may know, is the head of Ma'or and the head of Machon Yaakov, Machon Shlovo in Israel, he said a beautiful quote once. I think it was just when I was at his table and I just like, was like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful, I've got to write this down. It's, on the last, it's the last quote on your sheet. He said, Asav was known as the man of the field because he was always out in the field hunting, right? Yaakov was known as the man of tents because he dwelled in his tents. He says, Theus is just that. It's the tent within which one can dwell internally and find the privacy to change. Beautiful idea. That we have an inner place inside that we can dwell that's not open for everyone to see all the time. And that's where I get to develop who I am, not in the public eye. Right? We've lost the boundary of privacy, especially with the social media world. And that's taken down with it the concept of sneers. The concept of modesty, which is about guarding that I have an internal world and I have an external world. 
And when they're both in the right places, that's where I get to be in harmony and I get to feel my full sense of myself as a whole being. If they're not in harmony, if I don't define myself internally from who I am as an internal being, then I'm all over the place and I for sure am not in touch with my worth and I'm sure I for sure am not living my potential. Um, The practical halacha comes as guidelines to protect um, ourselves as a whole being. So if I put myself out there physically, then by definition the rest of me is lost. If I pull back myself physically a little bit, then I'm, I'm seen more as a whole human being. People aren't just drawn to the physical in me. You understand this? But on the deeper level, it's really about cultivating a sense of deeper connection with myself. As I said before, there's nothing in my life that has helped me more than this, that, other than Shabbat, because that's a step away, right? To even just practice it, you know, like, if you don't keep Shabbat, practice it once a month as a meditation, as a 25-hour meditation. Um, And to the degree that it's scary to think of doing that, to that degree is the degree where you may need to explore, you know, the contact with your own inner inner being to see what it's like. Um, another thing you can do is meditation. So again, I don't know when you've had the chance to just turn off phones and turn off everything and just sit for even like five minutes. The only time we get privately really is in the is in the, is in the restroom, pretty much, right? Not even then. Huh? Oh, people bringing phones, right. Oh, gosh, yeah. Maybe the shower. You play, oh, people play music in the shower? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, but, uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, that, there's no time. Where do you get the time just to be with yourself? So, if you're game, should we do a few minutes? Should we do a few minutes? Of, it's quiet. No one's here. Um... Okay, so let's just do a few minutes. I'll guide you through it. If you just want to get comfortable, I meditated every day for seven years before I became observant, and I found it was one of the best muscles that I got to develop, um, especially for prayer. It's really good to do this before prayer, for any, any kind of prayer. Um, just feel your feet on the ground. Feel your back against the chair. If you're comfortable, close your eyes. If you're going to fall asleep, you, could also, you can either nap or you could keep your eyes open and look down. Whatever's more comfortable for you. I close my eyes because I get much more aware of my inner, my inner world when I close my eyes. And just notice. It's just noticing. No, no judgment. It's not about doing anything right. It's not about doing anything wrong. It's about just noticing and just being with yourself. And take a deep breath. And just notice how it feels to be quiet. Noticing the sounds that you hear. And with all the sounds going on around you, just allowing yourself with each breath to drop deeper and deeper 
into a place that's still, that's easy. It's more calm. Just notice your tendency. If you jump to a thought, you jump to the noise, you think, what am I doing now after this? What am I going to eat? How am I getting home? What I've got tomorrow? Just gently bring yourself back to your breath. You can focus on your breathing, the in and the out. No right, no wrong. And just allowing yourself to be here in this moment, however you are. You may notice parts of your body that are more tense, less tense. Just notice them. And as you notice them, you may notice that it's easy to just be here. And all the noises around you, the snow and the rain melting, help you to drift deeper and deeper into a place of quiet internally. about now that you can also bring to your attention the idea that Hashem, God, the Creator, is right here, right now in this room with you, personally. That you are divinely, internally connected, intrinsically connected to a kind and loving compassionate creator who is with you right now. Just notice how that feels when you notice that. As you notice that, you become aware of how much Hashem loves you. Wants the best for you. And that also allows you to drop deeper and deeper into a place of stillness, ease, being able to be with yourself however you are right now. There's nowhere you need to be for this minute or two, but just here, 
with yourself. As you sit here, just ask yourself, and just let the first answer that comes to mind come to mind. What is one small thing I could be doing more of or less of that would help me to connect to my deeper being? See what answer pops up. One small thing that's realistic and doable that I could be doing more of or less of to help me connect to a deeper place in myself. Again, no right or wrong answers. idea, you could gently slowly bring your attention back into the room, take a deep breath, feel your feet on the ground, back against the chair, opening your eyes in your own time when you're ready. Doesn't feel different in here? Can you feel the difference in the room? We all just arrived. You feel, you feel it? The sensitivity, but you can, the whole room changed. Yeah, you feel it? Any comments you don't want to share? You don't have to, because you're all inside now. You can if you want. I feel like I just took a big, like, had like a big massage. Yeah. Um, it, it was. It was like an inner massage, right? What's a massage? A massage is to connect you. So it's like just, sometimes it's just giving ourselves space. You, we don't give ourselves space to just go there ever, right? Was it hard? Was it distracting? We just like push down, yeah, and then you let let it be there. And just let it be, and I feel like that makes you more present. Right, you are. You're more in touch with your truth and your reality, and you can get clarity from that. Yeah, that's the 